Matthew 28. Uh, today we're going to cover, we're going to cover the most significant event in the history of humanity. The most significant event in the history of humanity. We are going to cover today the reason we're all here singing today. The reason we have hope and the reason we have a future and all God's people see it. Matthew 28 verse number one. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. This is the the tomb of the Lord, by the way, if you missed last week. Uh, He was crucified. He gave up the ghost and they put him in a tomb. And now the Bible says the angel came and rolled back the stone from the door. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. The angel answered and said unto the women, fear not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. I love this. He ain't here. He ain't here. He, say it with me, he is risen. Now let's just stop and give God praise and glory right there. Come on, give him praise. He is risen. He's not here. I got to get my English right. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, come see the place where the Lord lay and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. They departed quickly from the sepulcher with what? Fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. Now, when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. When they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers saying, say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while he slept. And if this come to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. And so they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews unto this day. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now I want everybody to read in concert, if you will, verse 18, 19, and 20. Let's all read together. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the privilege and the honor it is to be here this morning. Please instruct us today, teach us today, help us today. 
challenge us today, convict us today, encourage us today. Lord, I pray that you will build us up, edify your people with your word. Thank you for getting up. Thank you for rising again. Lord, I praise your holy name. Lord, we thank you for all that you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Listen, we, we said we said that this is the most significant event that took place in, in the history of humanity. A man rose from the dead. Now, now somebody coming back from the dead had happened before, but it was by the power of somebody else. But we find a man who came back all by himself. Jesus said, I have power to lay it down. And I have power to take it up again. Now, I I did a funeral. I did a funeral of a 37-year-old young man this past Friday. And there there was weeping and there was mourning and there was grief. Yesterday, my cousin called me and and informed me that his brother's wife passed away yesterday. Uh, Listen, very, very young. He was so broken, he couldn't even hardly speak on the phone. And he had to get his composure before he told me because of the sorrow, because of the grief and because of the pain. And you say, preacher, why, why is this so important? Because we know because he got up one day, we're going to get up. Because he got up, we have faith and we have confidence that if we have to go by way of the grave, one day we can get up again. We can get up again. Now, I have an outline. I'll be honest with you. I have an outline that covers the chapter. And, uh, and, 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 and really, the message that I really want to share with you, I feel that I, I want to focus on is in point two. But point one is there, so we'll cover it. Amen. And point three is there. And that's really, really important. But for some reason, God is just really uh, uh, honing in on point number two. So let's, let's get through point one and we'll get there. All right. Number one. Number one. I want you to see the reality. The reality that we see. First of all, A, if you're taking notes, write this down. There is visual proof of the resurrection. Verse number two. Verse number two. Behold, there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door. Now, preacher, why is that important? You got to understand he did not roll the stone back so Jesus could get out. Let me say that again. He did not roll the stone back so Jesus could get out. He rolled the stone back so you could get in. He rolled the stone back so you could go see that he ain't there. Now, I've, I've, done, I've done been to where most people believe that, that that tomb is at, and I've done been in it twice, and I'm telling you, he wasn't there either time. You can go, you can go to any grave of any religious leader, any cult leader, uh, any religion in the world, and their leadership is still bones in the ground. Christianity's the only one whose leader, whose founder ain't there. Church say amen. So God wanted you to have visual proof. Not only visual proof, but verbal proof. Write that down. Verbal proof. Verse six. The Bible says the angel spoke to the women and said, I know who you're looking for. 
Ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here for he is risen. So what is that? It's confirmation, supernatural, supernatural confirmation from an angel. There's verbal proof. There's visual proof. There's verbal proof. And then there's visited proof. Write that down. Really, this could be visual proof too, but I needed a different word. So I put visited proof, (laughs) visited proof. And you say, well, that's kind of weak. It it, it might be weak, but it'll work. Amen. (laughs) Visited proof. What took place? Look in verse number nine, number nine. They didn't just see it was empty. They didn't just hear it was empty. Jesus showed up. Amen. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee. There shall they see me. Now here's what I want you to see out of that. Jesus said, look here I am. Do you know what the greatest proof, the greatest proof of the resurrection? It's not the empty tomb because most of you have not been there to see it. Most of you have not been there to see it. I have been there to see it, but guess what? I had proof before that ever took place. You say, preacher, what proof is that? The presence of Jesus in my heart. The day I got saved, the day I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, something came into me that changed my life forever. It changed my desires. It changed my want tos. It changed my behavior. It changed the way I talked. It changed the way I walked. I'm here to tell you, Jesus' presence in my life made me know that he's alive. I know he's alive. I know he is living because he's alive in me. He's alive in me. He comforts me when I'm sad. He helps me when I'm broken. He challenges me when I'm wrong. He is alive today, ladies and gentlemen. His presence is the greatest proof that he's alive. I love what Paul said. Paul, basically, in a roundabout way, Paul said, if he ain't alive, then what happened to me? What in the world changed me? If Jesus isn't alive, I I think about that. You know, if he's not alive, what in the world fix my father? Change my daddy's life the way it is today. He's alive. He's alive. That's the reality. That's the reality that we see. He is risen. He is risen. Now, now, with that being said, how many of y'all are glad he's alive? How many of y'all believe he's alive? How many of you know he's alive? Yes. Amen. Go ahead and give him praise. He's alive. Amen. He's alive. Yes. He's alive. Now the response that we need to show the response from this knowledge, the response. And this is, this is, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we, we teach in DMD that when you read something, you read something, whatever stands out, Whatever stands out is, is something God is really trying to emphasize. And I'll be honest, the very first sub point of the second point is what's been over and over and over in my head standing out to me. Now, what happened in the life of the disciples, these women here, what, what was their response to the knowledge that Jesus was alive? What happened in their life? What came out of their life 
by knowing he's alive. Look what it says. The Bible says in verse number eight, verse number eight, and they departed. This is right after they, right after they received knowledge that he's alive, that he, he is living. He is not in the tomb. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with, what's that word? Fear. fear. Write that down. Fear. What should be our response from the resurrection? Fear. Fear. Now, after last week's message, everybody's excited. Thank God he didn't give up on us. Thank God he did it all by himself. Thank God we couldn't hold up our end of the bargain. He did it all by himself. We're good. We're, we're safe. We're secure. We're sealed. And I'm glad for all of that. But I'm afraid sometimes, sometimes knowing our eternal security, we get kind of lax on our behavior. And our mentality when it comes to our relationship with God. I think false teachers kind of emphasize this. People are so lackadaisical, kind of, kind of uh, disrespectful is a good word. Irreverent is a good word. He's not, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. So I know you're looking at me. Everybody, everybody wave at me. If you're looking at me, come on. I want to, I want to see you. Okay. Everybody. Jesus is not our coffee shop buddy. He's the God of creation. He's the one who spoke this world into existence. And I'm afraid sometimes our attitude toward God is way more irreverent than it should be. Now, let me give you a verse. The Bible says, the Bible says in Matthew 28, 8, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear, fear. Now, Psalms 2.11 says this, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Fear and trembling. Ecclesiastes 12, Ecclesiastes 12.13 says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Ecclesiastes is a study, is a, a research project, if you will, of the wisest man that ever lived. He went through this world to find true peace, joy, happiness, satisfaction, fulfillment, but he tried to do it without God. He said, I'm going to find it here on this earth. It, it, the, the phrase under the sun is found all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, meaning I'm going to do it without God. I'm going to find peace without God. I'm going to find fulfillment without God, satisfaction without God. And God allowed him to have everything this world has to offer. And the Bible says it left him feeling empty. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Vanity meaning empty. He says, man, after I've done, done it all, seen it all, bought it all, had it all. This is the conclusion that I come up with. This is what it all boils down to. That's basically what 13 says. This is what it all boils down to. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good, whether it be evil. Fear God. Isn't that amazing? The wisest man that ever lived. The smartest man who had, by the way, who had a supernatural wisdom. 
If you will remember and study, God said, whatever you want, you ask for. He said, man, I, I need wisdom. God was so thrilled with his, his response that he gave him a supernatural wisdom. And even in a backslidden state in the book of Ecclesiastes, God let him keep that supernatural wisdom. And with the supernatural wisdom that he had, he came to the conclusion that the most important thing any man could ever do in his life is to fear God. In Proverbs, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear the Lord. You say, oh, that's all Old Testament. How about the New Testament? Hebrews 12, 28. Wherefore, we receive in a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace, whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Let's, Let's say that again. With reverence. Come on, everybody. With reverence and godly fear. Now we're talking to save people. We're talking to save people whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. Now he's, he's talking to save people, but preacher we're secure. Yes, we are preacher. We have eternal security. Yes, we do. So why should we be afraid? Because if you act like a fool, he's going to beat the devil out of you. How many of y'all grew up before being put in a corner and time out? How many of y'all grew up in the whooping era? How many of y'all was afraid of your parents? You with me? When I was around certain people growing up, young people, that did foolish things. And they would say, Malcolm, won't you do such and such? What are you afraid? I said, yeah. <laughs> I'm not afraid of the act of stupidity. I'm afraid of what's going to happen because of the act of stupidity. Well, why are you afraid? I said, because you don't have waiting at home what I got waiting at home. And you know what? It's amazing that that fear kept me from doing some very stupid things. And you know what I see in a lot of Christians today or professed Christians today? A really foolish behavior because they've lost the fear of God. I remember, I remember as a little kid, I remember a preacher coming and preaching and he was, he was remembering, I think it was his grandpa that was a pastor or whatever. His grandpa was in the yard of the church in old time church. And, and, and this was back in the wagon days. And he said, a, 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 a gentleman on a wagon had three or four kids in the back of the buckboard of that, that wagon. And man, they was just cutting up and just having a big time, you know, just rough housing, horsing around in that, and that wagon was coming by. And when that wagon, when that wagon got in front of the church, that man took off his hat and was slapping those kids and said, Hey, behave, there's the church. And those kids were quiet as a church mouse till they got past the parking lot of the church and went on and then carried on their horsing around. And I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Well, that's just a little extreme. No, that's what we've lost. 
That's what we've lost. We have a world now. There was a day, listen, ladies and gentlemen, there was a day that lost people had respect for God in his house. Even if he, they wouldn't go, and even if they didn't necessarily believe everything about it, they re- still had some sense of respect for God, his man, his house, his word. But I'm telling you, it's lost because God's people have lost their fear of God. When's the last time you were thinking about something foolish and you said, oh, no, I better not do that. Listen. This is what we've got to get back. Reverence and godly fear. You know, we, 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 we try to minimize it. We try to water it down. And we try to say, well, it just means, it just means respect. Well, that's, that respect is a big word. It means awe. Yeah. But awe causes a response. It causes us to live right. I don't know how, I don't know how in the English language you can water down the word trembling. You know what that word trembling means in the Greek? It means trembling. (laughs) Hello? A man just walked out of the grave. Can you imagine their emotions? We have lost the fear of God in the American church. And we need to get it back. Listen, the Bible says they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear. But then it says this, and, and great, what? Joy. So, so be is joy. I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Dear God, you just scared us all to death and now you want us to have Joy. They go together. They go together. I reverenced my father, but I I couldn't wait for him to get home so we could go out and play catch. I had joy in my life, in my family. You know, we always, we always talk about, we always talk about you know, oh man, them days, they'd, they'd beat the devil out of you and what them whoopings we got and all that. But most of the people that grew up in that era and experienced that, they, they wished to God they could get those days back because there was joy. We did reverence those people who were over us and were responsible for us, but man, they created joy in our life because we knew they cared enough about us to correct us. God loves you. His, his, listen, his correction is never for, because he's mad at you. Although I did think that sometimes with my father. <laughs> but God is never that way. And matter of fact, his discipline is always of the point that it, when you make it right, it's over. They had great joy. I, I'm telling y'all, I think this is missing in the American church too. Great joy. Does the Bible not say, does the Bible not say the joy of the Lord is my? Okay, some of y'all knew it. Let's think about this. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, would y'all agree with this? There's there's tons of Christians today that has very little strength. 
They're falling by the wayside. They're struggling immensely just to try to live right and act right and do right. They're they having a hard time even getting to the house of God. There's a problem. They have no strength. They have very little strength. They are weak and anemic when it comes to the attacks of Satan. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, what's the problem? The Bible says that if our strength comes from our joy, where does our joy come from? In his presence is fullness of joy. Let me say this again. We're, we're falling. We're, we're having trouble. We're struggling in our Christian life. We have no strength for the battle. We have no strength for the fight because the joy of the Lord is our strength. And if we have no strength, that means we have no joy. And the reason we have no joy in his presence is fullness of joy. That means we haven't spent much time in his We've been running to and fro, wide open, schedules wide open. We don't have time to pray. We don't have time to read our Bible. We don't have, we don't have time. And, and most of the time, we don't have time for church. Look around. And I'm going to be honest with you. I just got to tell the truth. I'm just going to tell you right now. This is one of our, our lowest attended Sundays every year. The Sunday right before everybody goes back to school. And I'm going to just be honest with you. If there's ever a Sunday you need to be in the house of God, it's this one. And all the teachers say it. Dear God, do y'all, do y'all understand what this culture and world is trying to push down the throats of our children? They're trying to indoctrinate our children in the homosexual agenda. They're trying to indoctrinate our children in socialism and everything else. What in the world are we thinking not being in the house of God? Joy. Joy. Do you know the difference between joy and happiness? So oh, they're the same. No, they're not. A Big Mac makes me happy. <laughs> and if you're not happy, you've never had one. <laughs> but do you realize I can get a Big Mac at 12 o'clock and around 6 o'clock, I'm hangry again. <laughs> Don't look at me like that, people. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Yes. Happiness wears off. But do you know, the Bible says that we can have joy even in the midst of sorrow. Joy is something that comes from God. Joy is a feeling of satisfaction, fulfillment, and peace, even in sorrow. They had great joy. Great joy. When's the last time you just got happy? Because he has saved you. When's the last time you just rejoiced? Rejoice. The Bible says we're to rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. rejoice. Just because. Just because you're saved. Just because you realize one day you're on your way to hell. Now you're on your way to heaven. Just because you realize that you deserve hell and the worst part of hell. But you have gotten grace and now you're going to walk on a street of gold and see a gate of pearl and see walls of jasper. And you're going to be able to spend eternity in the presence of God. Just because. Their response was joy. Now watch this. The Bible says then Jesus showed up. Then Jesus showed up. You know what happened? The Bible says they worshiped him. See, write that down. Here's the response from the resurrection. Fear, joy, and worship. 
fear, joy, and, and, and I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. How can those go together? They have to go together. You have to balance. You have to balance fear and joy. It's the same thing as, as love and righteousness or justice. God is a God of love, but he's a God of righteous judgment also. And when we get things out of balance is when we get messed up as a Christian. If we go around and say, God is love, 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 God is love. Then, then we're going to get to the point in our mind that we can live like a heathen and it's okay. But then if we, if we just focus on God is holy, 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 God is holy. Then you're going to be a mean, irritated, self-righteous, judgmental unhappy Christian waiting for God to sling a lightning bolt out of heaven to hit you because you ain't holy. Hello. We need to balance these things. We need to say, yes, God is love, but yes, he's righteous. He's a God of mercy. That's right. But he's a God of justice. Also, listen, we have the fear of God, but then we have the joy of the Lord. Y'all see this? And you know what it'll cause us to do when you fear him, but you love him. When you get near him, you won't be able to help but fall down in. Come on, everybody. Fall down in. Worship him. Now, let's apply that to today. Everybody, you know, I lost some of y'all on that fear point. Come on. That means when you're standing here. Now, I don't, I don't believe, I don't believe that you're going to be walking down the street one day and Jesus is going to bodily appear in front of you. I just, I, I just don't see that. But guess what? When you're sitting here singing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know, I ain't got to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because he's living. That means you can think about him and love him and talk to him. And think, sometimes I'll be singing and I'll just stop and start thanking him because of what we were singing. Do you really worship when you get here? Or do you just go through the motions? Some, some, I've heard some of y'all now, y'all, y'all shouldn't be doing this neither. Some of y'all, y'all, you know, some of you like some of the songs, you don't like some of the songs. Well, I tell you what, I just sit out in the foyer till the preaching time. I come in the preaching time. Well, you're missing an important part. Now, I appreciate the vote of confidence, but you need to worship. You need to be in his presence. You need to be grateful for what he's done for you. That's what it means. You're showing him that now if you sit out there, you just tag out or, or, or just kind of zone out to the preaching to what you enjoy. You've made this all about you. Now, this wasn't in the, in the notes, but why don't we deal with it while we're here? This ain't about you. When we come to worship, it's about him. Well, I'm coming to get what I need. No, you're not. You're coming to get, give him what he deserves. That's the problem with most Christians. Most Christians is, 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 is they have made it about them. Worship has never been about them. 
None of this has ever been about them. It's all been about him. He gets the focus. He gets the attention. The Bible says when he stood up in the presence of the throne in Revelation, that everybody fell down and worshiped him. They didn't get, well, I didn't get to sing my song this morning. Well, I tell you what, I wasn't, I wasn't much on the worship this today. Well, that's good because it wasn't for you. In the last days, I don't know why this stuff's coming to my mind, but I'm going to give it to you. <clears throat> you know what one of, the, one of the symptoms of the last days that men are going to have in the very last days? And I'm telling you, I would have never dreamed that I would see it in church, but I see it in church. Men shall be lovers of themselves. And I see that. When I see the worship wars that go on and the arguing and the fussing and the fighting, together, thank God we don't have, we don't have that. We, we, we have that attitude, but some of y'all are too scared to say it, and you need to be. We don't play that jive around here. Hello. I love the old saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Ain't nobody coming in here with no wrenches. Say amen. Nothing needs to be fixed. Don't make this about you. I I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how many of them Christians, when Jesus showed up right there, begin to say, now let me tell you what I think. (laughs) Y'all think that happened? They were so excited. They had so much joy and fear and respect and awe of Christ. They just fell down and worshiped him. Well, what if we could do that? What if the next time we come to church and the song begin to sing, we were just so excited about him and what he's done for us and the future he has prepared for us that we just couldn't help but just worship him. And all God's people say it. I think I got time. All right, number three, number three. We do have time. We got, because this is really, really important. We, we the, the, the third the third point is our, our responsibility. Because he got up, we got, a, we got a responsibility. We've got a job to do. Would y'all agree with that? Say amen. Now, what I'm fixing to read to you is the Great Commission. The Great Commission. Uh, it's very familiar. It's very familiar. Uh, but, but a lot of times we just either skip over it or don't deal with it. Well, today, let's talk about it, all right? It's very simple. Matthew 28, 18. When you get there, say amen. And Jesus came and spake. And by the way, let me say this just as a, just throw this out here. The great commission does not start in verse number 19. It starts in verse number 18. Cause a lot of times you say, what's the first word of the great commission? And we'll all say, go. No, it's not. It's not. It starts in verse 18. And the reason that is important is because before Jesus said to go, he tells you, I got all power and authority. I got it. And then in the last verse, in, in 20, he says this. He said, and I'm going to be with you. Now, what's the point of that? This is not in your notes. I'm just rolling with this, all right? Because of what he told us to do, we need to understand we can't do it without him. We can't do it without him. We can't accomplish the Great Commission without him. We cannot build a church without him. We cannot win people to Christ without him. We cannot be effective in our ministry without 
him. Him. Now watch. With that being said, verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them saying, all power. How much? All All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. In other words, he's saying, I am in charge. Go ye. What's that word? Therefore, meaning because I have all power, because I am in authority, because I am in charge, I want you to go with that knowledge, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you even unto the end of the world. Amen. Church, say amen. Aren't you glad you're not in this thing alone? All right. Write these words down. Write these words down. Here's a great commission in a nutshell. Okay. A, B, and C. First of all, write the word preach. <clears throat> we're to preach it. Now, now don't take that word. Don't take that word as a word. You got to get a tie on and jump up on a platform and deliver a three point outline. The word preach means to proclaim. You remember in Romans chapter number 10, how, how shall they hear without a preacher? That word means proclaimer, an announcer. Have you ever seen them old movies where, where the king's announcer would come into town before the king came and he'd say, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. Y'all know what I'm talking about? In other words, I'm fixing to give you a very important announcement. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I am giving you a message from the king. That's what you are. That's what every disciple is. You're a proclaimer. You are an announcer. You have news from the king. So next time you go out to eat, stand up in the restaurant and say, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. I bet you'd get a hearing. Now listen, preach. That means to share. What do you share? What you got. What you got. The Bible told, tells us that the, the demoniac, remember the demoniac when he wanted to go with Jesus? And Jesus said, no, 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 I need you to go home. Go tell thy friends what good things the Lord hath done for thee. You see, that's it. That's it. That's what it means to witness. You remember what it says, Acts 1.8, but ye shall be witnesses. But ye shall be witnesses after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, Right? Ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witness unto me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You are a proclaimer to tell people what has happened to you. How many of y'all are saved? Raise your hand. Let me see it. Survey, survey. Raise a real high sign. See it. Don't be ashamed. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. All the way. All right. Put it down. Put it down. Put it down. How many of y'all were there when it happened? Okay. That makes you an I. Tell somebody. Tell somebody. Go up to somebody and say, hey, you mind if I tell you my story? The majority of people, almost 98% will say, sure, go ahead. Now you will have one to say, no, I had that happen to me in the barbershop. I wanted to drag him outside and no, I didn't. I didn't want, I didn't. (laughs) Anyway, that was a whole different story. But most of the time they're going to say, yeah, I'd love to hear your story. And you know, I found out because of COVID and because of what people have gone through in the last couple of years, they can't wait to tell you their story. In the last few times I've, I've shared with a, with a waitress at a table, they sat there with tears dripping off their face because they were going through such difficult situations. Preach it, share what God's done for you. Tell them somebody needs to hear it. 
Because the person you run into may be going through the same thing you went through and they've been looking for what to do. Preach. All right, second one, second one. Write this down. Reach. Reach. Everybody look at me now. Everybody look at me. This is going to be kind of tight right here. It's not enough just to tell your story. You need to be able to tell God's story. You need to be able to tell God's story. Because telling your story is you going to heaven. But you need to be able to tell them how they can go to heaven. Because the great commission is this. Go make disciples. You make disciples by proclaiming the gospel, right? It says preach the gospel to every creature. That's the first point. Hey, preach the gospel to every creature. But you need to tell them how they can have what you have. Y'all write this down real quick. Y'all write, well, it's kind of long. I'm going to go ahead and say it. That way you can go back and, and G-O-S-P-E-L. All right, G, you and DMD should have this memorized. If you don't, shame on you, and you got to demerit. <clears throat> G-O-S-P-E-L. If you want the gospel in a nutshell, and, and I'm going to say you might not be able to write this fast because I've got a short period of time, but you can go back and listen to it and then write it out. G, here's the easiest way to explain somebody the gospel. G, God made us to be with him. God made us to be with him. Oh, our sins have separated us from God. Now God intended for all of us to be with him and have a relationship with him and fellowship with him and walk with him. But oh, our sins have separated us from God. S. Sin can never be taken away with good deeds. Sin can never be taken away with good deeds. P. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and Say amen. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. E, everyone that places their faith in Christ alone will be saved. Everyone that places their faith in Christ alone will be saved. L, life with Jesus begins today and lasts forever. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Now you can plug in. You can plug in Romans 3.23 for, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You, you, can, you can plug in Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You can, you can plug in Romans 5.8, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You can plug in Romans 10.9 and 10 for uh, if we confess the Lord with our mouth and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We can plug in for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Say amen. Be able to tell them how. Be able to tell them how. I, I was. I my, my daughter sent me a my daughter sent me a a, a video of, of Carter this morning. He's sitting there uh, 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 with his little outfit on and and uh, little bitty fella, and uh, he had his Bible, a little little uh, uh, coloring uh, uh, illustrated Bible he had. He was holding it, and she said, "What is that? Bible, Bible." And I'm thinking, man. That just about melted me before I walked out here. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. I know I'm the preacher and I'm supposed to know this stuff and been doing this all my life. But I don't care. I don't care if I wasn't a preacher and didn't go to seminary, didn't have a whole lot. I would figure out if I was a pawpaw how to let my grandson know how he's going to get to heaven. 
Now, I'm telling you that right now. There is no way in this world, there's no way in this world I would live in this earth and not know how to tell my little Carter how to get to heaven. You need to know. There's no excuse for not knowing. There's no excuse. Say it with me. You need to be able to do that. Thank God we have ministers. Thank God we have people to help. Thank God we have children's workers where you can call and say, hey, I need you to lead my, my kid to the Lord, but shame on you if you don't know how. Amen. I'm going to say that again. I'm not trying to put no guilt trip on, but you need to know how. The Bible says, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. That's a command from God. That command is just as real as thou shalt not kill. Say amen. amen. So what's A? Here's the great commission. A, we are to preach. preach. B, we are to preach. And then we are to teach. We are to teach. We are to tell others how to do it. We need to win somebody and teach them how to win somebody. Now, when we look at, everybody look at me. I know you ain't got no blanks no more, but look at me for a minute. The great commission looks like an impossible task. It really does. When you think, what do we got? Eight billion people on the planet now? Is that what the number is? Eight billion? I think it's close to eight billion. Seven billion, eight billion people. That's a lot of people. And when you look at anything, oh my goodness, the Great Commission is so hard. How are we going to get the gospel to every creature? It wouldn't be hard if we would do it the way Jesus said to do it. We're to reach somebody, share the gospel with somebody, and then show how they can be saved and then teach them to go and do the same thing. But for a long time, before a long time, the church has been bottlenecked by the pastor. Y'all know what a bottleneck is? In other words, it's gotten clogged up by he's he's got a limited time. He's got a limited ability. He's only got so many hours in the day, this one man. He's only got so much time in the day to try to take care of the people at the church, try to take care of his own family, try to take care of his own health and life and all this kind of stuff. And, And everybody up here is thinking he's supposed to do it all. Now, that's not that way here, thank God. But in the church in America, churchgoers think they pay the preacher to go save everybody. But the pastor is the shepherd. Now, watch this now. And sheep reproduce sheep. Are y'all with me? Now, the pastor is supposed to teach you how to preach and reach and teach. And then you're supposed to go out and apply that to preach to your family and your friends. You know who the most important disciple you have? He ate Cheerios at your table this morning. Your own family. Now here's the deal. What has the knowledge of the resurrection caused in your life? Do you have godly fear right now? Have you experienced the joy of the Lord? I want to ask you a question. It's, it's going to be tight. I know because I, I can tell some of y'all are still getting boogers out of your eyes when I was in the introduction. <laughs> did you worship today? Did you worship or did you watch other people worship? 
Was your mind on Christ while we were singing about he lives? If not, let's make up for it in this invitation song. Let's worship. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow.